Let's take a road trip, you and me, to all of the biggest and baddest ski resorts in the American West. Jackson Hole, Big Sky, Mammoth, Bachelor, Copper, Steamboat, A Basin, Park City, Tahoe, and maybe a couple hidden spots in between. Breathtaking nature everywhere we turn, majestic wildlife, views that stop you in your tracks, more powder than we could ever crush. And in every town, some of the best beer you've ever tasted, made from the coldest, cleanest water in the country. This is a podcast called Ski Town Brews. I am a host called Adam Powell. Cruising a fresh groomer off a first chair at June Mountain, there's no feeling like it. Clear California skies, not a breath of wind, corduroy so perfect it could have been cut by a laser. And those massive white peaks just slamming you in the face. Looking so close, riding toward them almost gives you vertigo. It's the dopest moment of zen in the galaxy. For most of the world, California skiing is all about mammoth, and Tahoe. And there are reasons for that. But when Mammoth gets tracked out, Mammoth locals know where to go for endless powder. And that's June Mountain. June Lake is a tiny little spot about 20 minutes up the road from Mammoth. Wikipedia says it has 700 year-round residents, but these days it's closer to 300. For five days out of every seven, those 300 people get some of the best views in California all to themselves. Not to mention a treasured local spot called June Lake Brewing. I went up there on a gorgeous Saturday morning in December to hang out with the co-owner and co-founder, Justin Walsh. Pull up a chair and have a drink with us. We are here today in June Lake, California in the Eastern Sierra. It's a beautiful day to drink some beer. And I'm here with Justin Walsh from the brewery. Thanks for being here, Justin. Why don't you tell us um, a little about your role at the brewery and uh, what we're gonna drink today? Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Adam, and hello, the interweb. <laughs> so, uh, my wife and I decided we wanted to move up to June Lake to start a family about 10 plus years ago. And, um, you know, we identified June Lake as just an amazing place that would be rad to, you know, raise a family. I've been coming up here for years and just rad community, it's rad people, it's rad train. It's just yeah. ideal, right? And so, you know, we looked at June Lake and we looked at what kind of business um, the town needed. At the time, the town had been in decline for, you know, since the 70s, essentially. Yeah. And um, we identified water as June Lake's number one natural resource. Mm -hmm. Being beer is more than 90% water and being <laughs> the water in June Lake is, I mean, some of the best there is in the world. It's on par with Pils in Germany which yeah. is where Pilsners come from. Oh, uh, right. And uh, yeah, my wife and I both had homebrewed since we were kids. You know, I'm 40 now. Uh, I've been homebrewing since I was 14. So, you know, we wow. identified craft beer is certainly something that was exploding. This was, you know, the late 2000s at this time. Yeah. And 
I actually had some really good friends, uh, Evan Weinberg and Ross Stewart, who had previously started Cismontane Brewing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I knew that they were successful in their endeavors. So I hit them up and I was like, hey, what's up, guys? Is this feasible? And they said, hey, not only is it feasible, if you don't do it, you're dumb. <laughs> um, yeah. Because at the time, the only other brewery within 120 driving miles was Mammoth Brewing. Right. We broke ground on our current building, which was an unused warehouse that was built in the 70s that didn't have water, sewer, power, drywall, anything. Mm. We broke ground on that in November 2013. Okay. So just over seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we opened the following June. So we opened June 21st, summer solstice, longest day of the year, best day to drink. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, 2014. And so, you know, we're going on six and a half years of successfully operating at this point. That's awesome. How big is it? How many employees do you have now? So we currently have 10 full-time year-round employees. We provide health insurance. We provide ski passes. We provide a number of different benefits to them. And we have very little turnover. I mean, we're stoked on our staff. We're, you know, at the end of the day, like I was saying, they're the ones that are talking to the customers and they're the ones relaying what we're doing. Our mission statement is to, it's three bullet points, make super awesome beer, get people outside, and give back to our community. That's dope. And then, you know, as far as um, the hierarchy of needs, if you will, super awesome beer is number one, mm-hmm. employees are number two, customers are number three, and assholes can just turn around and leave because we don't need you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's see what we got here, um, what we got lined up. What are we going to try today? Yeah, 100%. So I kind of have them stacked out in the, I'd say the, least bold to the boldest, if you will. So the first one we got here, it's the Bang Sauce Hard Seltzer. It's negative one IBU. (laughs) He's joking. The scale starts at zero. IBU stands for International Bitterness Units, and it was invented as a way to help people gauge how bitter a beer might taste to them. It's a scientific scale that's based on the concentrations of certain acids and other compounds in your beer. But perception is different for everyone, so the idea is to get a feel for what a certain IBU level tastes like to you, and then apply it to other beers you haven't tried. Sounds great. This is different from White Claw that we're using all natural fruit mm-hmm. to flavor it, and um, it's you know a pretty light, gluten-free, non-beer option that we're able to provide to c- consumers that maybe you know mm-hmm. normally drink a wine or a champagne. Yeah. So, Bang Sauce, great name. Yeah, yeah. I, the original working name was F- Juice, but I wasn't allowed to use that one. So, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Yeah. Let's give it a try. So it's going to be a very delicate flavor. Yeah. Um, oh, that's delicious. This one, uh, we utilized watermelon and kiwi for the flavoring. Yeah. And during the summer, we actually have a slushy machine. Uh, oh, nice. We serve these in slushies, nice. which is pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, just crisp, dry. It's 7.2% alcohol, which it doesn't taste like, so. Yeah, no, it doesn't. That's Boy, why it's the bang sauce. I would drink this for breakfast. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You know, bubbly, effervescent. Yeah. Little I can pilly. taste the kiwi. I can taste the kiwi. Not so much the watermelon, but it's a good blend. Yeah, the next one we're actually going to do, we're going to use huckleberry, so. Oh, nice. I'll I be actually your huckleberry. Really like huckleberry, yeah. <laughs> Every time I go to Montana, I try to get huckleberry uh, jam and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's kind of where we're 
starting our journey down the beer highway. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. The next one is our Deer Beer Brown Ale. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I call it uh, hopped up Newcastle, if you will. When I was a kid, Newcastle was my favorite beer. I know it's changed dramatically in the subsequent 25 years. However, <laughs> um, the very first recipe, production recipe that I made and we brewed here was this beer in, in particular. Okay. So, um, you know, it's, though it is brown in color, mm -hmm. it is what we consider one of our lighter in body and flavor beers. Okay. So, Great. Um, we do utilize uh, English hops in it, mm -hmm. so it could be considered an English brown, but mm -hmm. the proportions of which we're utilizing are far higher than you would find in an English brown. Thank you. But yeah, beautiful. Nice and dark. Beautiful head on this beer. Um, yeah. Very good head retention. Our head brewer utilizes Maris Otter as the primary grain in this beer, mm -hmm. and it yields a little bit better head retention than you would get from like a traditional two row pale, which is what our primary grain on most of our beers are. Okay, right, nice. Yeah, very light in body, slight roast caramel flavors. Yeah. That's utilized from um, the crystal malts that we're utilizing in it. And uh, this I is just, good. This has more flavor than Newcastle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I have liked Newcastle, but uh, I definitely like this better. What's up next? Yeah, um, just briefly on the deer beer again. This is oh, probably yeah. the uh, most distributed beer that we make. Mm hmm. It's not the most that we sell on premise here, but like I was saying, it's a very approachable beer. It yeah. rounds out a lot of draft panels. Uh -huh. you know, of course, we got our IPAs on places locally, but um, we find that the deer beer is a good option, especially for people that aren't necessarily into hoppy beer. So. Yeah. So up next, we have our Archimedes Red Ale. So Ooh, red ale. Nice. This is American Red. Um, it's named after my good friend, Tyson Archimedes Montruccio, who passed away. Hmm. Six years ago, and um, actually got his artwork here. His widow allowed us to use his artwork. It's the offering. It's a five-year-old presenting oh, a flower nice. to the Grim Reaper. Yeah. So he drew that, huh? Yeah. Wow. He was an amazing artist. He was also a death metal singer. And uh huh. From here in June? Oh uh, no, um, he's from Southern California. So originally, I'm from okay. the Cardiff and Sinitas area. He was uh, Solana Beach, and uh, he was part of the. The Seaside Pirate. <laughs> nice. That was our surf gang when we were growing up. But Somebody at this brewery, let me tell you, has a really good eye for design. They have a sick logo. They make great swag. See that? And all these cans have little artwork on it. You'll see. Uh, we'll maybe take some close-ups later, but you'll see. They have, they have little uh, hidden artwork, which is great. That's very cool. Yeah, thank you, Adam. I'm actually the one that handles all of the design. As I mentioned, I came from a marketing background. Mm -hmm. And one of my big things that I believe is to have, to really get, you know, a brand that is unique and speaks for the people that work there. It speaks for, you know, everything in our case. Yeah. It has to be done in-house. My wife and I actually developed the original logo, the JLB. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we... Like I said, some of our designs, like the Archimedes, that was a previous artwork that was done before. Mm -hmm. But some of the newer ones, like the Deer Beer, you know, the What the Fruit, mm -hmm. those are actually um, our assistant brewer, and he's also one of our beer tenders. His almost wife is the local tattoo artist. Okay. Madison Hodges, June Lake Tattoo, amazing stuff. Check nice. her out. But she, what I'll, what I'll do is I'll just send her a creative brief that basically says, oh, I need a crazy raspberry 
like throwing the hook'em horns or something. <laughs> yeah. So she's having fun with it, and it's rad. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other ones are production brewer Ryan March. He's a uh, you know uh, art virtuoso as well. So we have the Sasquatch flipping mm-hmm. the bird here. Oh, nice. That's the Sasquatchito. <laughs> we'll get to that one eventually, but yeah. So we're about to taste the Archimedes Red Ale. It's a traditional American red. It's going to be a little bit more biscuity, if you will, than the brown. So mm-hmm. a little bit bolder in flavor. However, it's still, you know, a very approachable beer. Mm-hmm. It's red in color. That's from what's called Red X Malt. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how they make it red. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll have to ask a uh, wireman or whoever makes the red X. Or mm-hmm. I think it's BSG. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's give it a try. Yeah, so just a little wow. bit more biscuity, yeah. like I was saying, than the brown. Just a little bit bolder of a flavor. Uh-huh. It's not as light on um, the palate, if you will. Yeah, but this has a real balance to me. I yeah. think this is, uh, this is really nice. You take, a, you take a sip of it and it's super flavorable, but there's nothing that really stands out. Uh, so, I mean, this feels like one that you could just drink all afternoon, you know? Yeah, this is a really good beer for like a burger, some fries. Yeah, know. right. So, very nice. Merca. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's good. Don't trust a brewery that doesn't drink. <laughs> I've actually had a couple friends that had to leave the industry because alcohol became too much of a problem for them. So mm. again, everybody, enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy responsibly. It is, I think, a skill that you develop, you know, um, with experience, like a lot of things, to be able to enjoy in the right amounts. And, um, I mean, I basically didn't drink at all until I was past 30. And um, when I developed taste for beer, there have been certain periods where I'd get into the habit of, you know, having a couple every single night, just enjoying it, you know, with dinner and then after and stuff. And um, that does wear on you after a little while. And I try to now keep it down to like a couple times a week and uh, where you give, your, you give your body a chance to reset. And I think it's important for long term. Yeah, I drink a bit more than Adam. <laughs> Comes yeah, with the but, territory. But you're surrounded by this stuff. You're like, it's everywhere. It's, it's, it's one mean, of the jokes why people say that I started a brewery so I could get free beer. Uh-huh. Hey. <laughs> Which I, isn't all wrong. <laughs> I've had a lot of people do that. You know, in our case, it's super awesome beer is number one. Mm-hmm. And as, like, no punches pulled, 100%, if... I personally don't think that a beer that we have made is good enough. Mm-hmm. We will dump it. Yeah. We will not sell it. That's happened very rarely because, you know, I was pretty meticulous when I was the head brewer. And like I said, John Morris, who's now our head brewer, is far better brewer than I've ever been or ever will be. Mm-hmm. And he understands the science. I'm, yeah. I understand the alcohol and the money. <laughs> well, I haven't tasted a bad one yet. I think this red ale is my favorite out of the first three. That one's pretty nice. So, what's up next? Up next, we have what we call our what the fruit brewliner vice. Okay. So this is um, a kettle soured beer. Mm-hmm. It's the only sour beer that we manufacture. Uh huh. Um, and then this particular one, we actually 
added uh, boysenberry and mulberry to it. Okay. So that's going to provide the fruit. So this is a revolving brew that we do where we're constantly changing up the different fruits. Mm -hmm. This batch is the mulberry, mm -hmm. boysenberry. I want to say the last one was raspberry and blueberry. Okay. And so then, this would uh, be a little, uh, a little different. I don't, I'm not sure if I had mulberry before. So yeah, you're going to get kind of a little catty nose mm -hmm. or cat piss, kids. It's, oh. <laughs> it's the uh, industry uh -huh. <laughs> term there. It's actually a tasting term. That's Look it up. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just in the nose. But mm -hmm. then in the actual body of the beer, it's going to be a very light effervescent beer. I taste the fruit first, and then mm. I taste the sour after. So the pineapple flavor that you're getting in there is actually a product of our mm. lacto culture, which is the bacteria that we add in the kettle. Uh -huh. So that is what does the souring process. So okay. you'll get a little bit of the different berry flavors, mm -hmm. and then that, yeah, that pineapple flavor that shines through at the end, that's 100% from the lacto culture that we've been cultivating across these kettle sour beers that we do. Yeah. So this is a great beer. It's lower in alcohol. This one I think came, yeah, this one was 4%. So uh -huh. uh, this is nice. definitely a good crushable beer. Uh-huh, yeah. Though we are a hop forward brewery, we try and have a good uh, palette of different flavors, beers, yeah. um, everything like that. So that, you know, like I said, we're in a small town, but people come up here to vacation quite often. Uh -huh. I mean, we, during the... Our primary tourist season is in the summer, mm -hmm. prior to this year. Yeah. Um, we would do anywhere from 500,000 to 700,000 tourist visits mm. a year wow. in a town of 300 people. people. So yeah. it's pretty insane. And yeah, I mean, you know. And that's mostly for fishing and water. Fishing, camping, uh, hiking. You know, mm -hmm. we're less than six miles from the PCT and the JMT. It's the Pacific Crest Trail and John Muir Trail. Mm -hmm. uh, Yosemite is literally like 13 miles over that mountain. Yeah. Even though it's over 100 plus driving miles. Right. Because <laughs> you got to go all the way around. Yep. Uh, but if, you know, you throw on your wingsuit or something, get launched up there with the... I'm working on getting the uh, personal drone. Yeah. So I could just grab my snowboard, my gear, and just have the thing pick me up and drop me on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I say working on it, not like I'm building it, but <laughs> right. it's like it's something I'm dreaming about. So. Yeah, right. That would be, boy. I, I mean, seems like we're not far off from that. Mm -hmm. What do you do? What do you like to do in June late? Do you, so you said snowboarding. Do you do fishing and hiking and stuff as well? Um, I believe fishing is a drinking sport. <laughs> right. And I'm good at those, so. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually don't fish all that much. I do do hiking with my wife, mm -hmm. just to kind of stay in shape. But my primary activities are in the winter. Mm -hmm. I snowboard, it's why I found this place. It's, you know, I've lived up in Whistler for a couple seasons. I spent oh, nice. 17 years essentially working nine months a year mm -hmm. and then traveling snowboarding mm -hmm. for three months a year on my own budget. Yeah, wow. So it's not like I was professional like yeah you know i wasn't getting paid to do it i was paying to do it but right i would plan out my year yeah and i mean that was almost 17 years before my wife and i moved up here so i'd been doing it since you know the mid 90s but yeah so during the summer i ride a bike during the winter i ride a snowboard you know i got a split board oh nice um all the terrain around here i mean you could just look around like we ride every single 
peaker face that there is around here. Uh-huh. So it's... If you don't know about split boards, they're snowboards that split lengthwise into two pieces so you can use them to climb hills like Nordic skis. And just because I like you, I'm gonna give you my treasure map to a sick powder stash just a few minutes out of bounds that June. You have to get there early and wait in line for the J1 chair out of the parking lot. It's a fixed double and it's slow. And it's the only way up the hill, so do not be late. Once you get up to the lodge, go left to the J6 chair and take that to the top. Then you take Silverado back to the lodge, hugging along the eastern boundary of the resort. Just before you get to the lodge, you cut off to the right into the woods and take a little trail that dumps you off on a ridge. From there, you need skins or snowshoes, but you basically just walk along the ridge for a few tenths of a mile and it'll take you to this wide open face. On a good day, it's covered in deep powder and only a few people ever head over that way. You can take your time skiing down, you can pick your line, and then you get into some steep trees below that and it dumps you out within sight of the parking lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty rad area to live in. And I mean, that's one of the reasons we wanted to move here. Yeah, So let me tell you, the fact that this guy used to live and work in Whistler Oh, I didn't work there. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong there, oh, okay. INS or anything. <laughs> uh, I never was able to get a work permit for Canada, which I tried very hard. But okay. um, yeah, so essentially I just work for nine months a year in Southern California. Okay, right. And um, then go up there for the winter. Yeah, I, I spent two winters living in Whistler for, you know, three months each. And then, you know, aside from that, like I was saying, I basically did the triangle between Colorado, mm. Utah, and kind of June Lake area. Yeah. So wherever the snow was gonna fly, mm -hmm. I had a Subaru wagon. So yeah. Just posted up and lived cheap. And then chose to settle here in June Lake. Mm. That tells you what kind of a hidden jewel this place is. This mountain is so much fun when the snow is good. Now, you know, California's had some bad years lately. Uh, snow is not always good, but when it's good, there's nothing that beats June Lake. And it's, I mean, I've been up here sometimes when they're running all the chairs and there's a dozen people on the mountain. And it's, it feels like you're like Kanye West and you shut down the whole place for a private party. That's how cool it is when um, you're here midweek and you know, you can just lap the same chair like 12 times and you'll get a fresh line every time. There's, there's nothing else like it in California for sure. Two years ago, I had a friend come visit me from the East Coast and I took him up to June on a Wednesday. The mountain got about eight to 12 inches the night before. Not a real storm, but more than a taster. We got there in the morning and no one was there. Not like a few people, no one. We were the only ones there. We went to the top of the mountain and rode partway down before we saw anyone else. It was a perfect bluebird day with blower pow. Only 12 inches of fresh and we were still getting face shots. And there was literally a handful of people on the whole hill. At June, there are two powder chairs, J1 at the bottom and J7 at the top. Other than the groomers, J7 gives you a couple bowls, a short steep chute, and a bunch of great tree runs. We looped that chair 10 times before lunch. First tracks, every single time. We barely even crossed a line from anyone else. Until lunch, we got fresh powder off the same chair and never saw more than a dozen people. 
In the lodge, we had lunch and drank JLB beers and then looped J1 until our legs gave out. Untouched powder all afternoon. Yeah, it's a much mellower scene than, you know, the Bear Mountains or the Snow Summits or, uh, you know. Or Mammoth right down the road. Mammoth is huge, but, you know, the crowds are a hundred times as big. Yeah, we're just, we're just a little mellower here. And, you know, it's a good reprieve having, like I said, snowboarded for the past 25 years. You know, I've been there, done that, seen, seen the concert, got the shirt, you know, <laughs> right. and it's, uh, it's a good reprieve. Yeah, when my wife and I were actually thinking about places to move, it was either here or Bellingham, Washington. Oh, nice. Because Mount Baker kids. It's yeah. a thing. <laughs> I, I haven't been there. I haven't been up to Washington to ski, but... Uh, and they're really close tonight. to Canada. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned Whistler. Re Rebel Soak is my... That's the biggest, my biggest goal to get up there because I've heard so many amazing things about it and it's, you know, a little out of the way and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, other than like Japan or something, Revelstoke is the place I really would love to go. Yeah, the Rev. <laughs> place is rad. Mm, <laughs> I've been awesome. there. I have my credit card actually is a picture I took on top of Sub Peak, which is um, one of the peaks there in Revelstoke oh, yeah. Resort. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So, What's up next then? Yeah, moving on. We got our Sasquatchito XPA. Mm. So it's also known as like a session IPA. Uh -huh. So the style, it, essentially what it is, it's a low alcohol IPA. Mm -hmm. So when I originally made the recipe, it was somewhere around 4%. Our head brewer is, he makes higher alcohol beers. This It's 4.8% now, okay. but essentially it's, you know, a 4% IPA that we dry hop the ever-living hell out of. Like, you know, <laughs> most people dry hop a double IPA. I mean, we're, we're using three to four pounds per barrel. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's really nice, crushable, like porch pounder type beer, if you will, lawnmower beer. I mean, mm -hmm. I've heard them referred to a bunch of different ways. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we named it Sasquatchito because- um, good. Yeah, it's actually the legend of the Sasquatchito for June Lake. So it is when the Chupacabra and the uh, Shetland Sasquatch right. mated. <laughs> they created the Sasquatchito. I've never heard this. So he, the Sasquatchito, he is very elusive. He has very many special powers. He can fly. He is invisible. <laughs> Sasquatchito. That's great. That's, that's a June Lake legend, huh? Yeah, yeah. Nice. We kind of created it, so. Nice. June Lake Brewing Legend, how about that? That's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. there is an episode of the Bigfoot Hunter that was filmed here in June Lake, though. Is that right? I didn't I know that. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm not sure. It's one of those searching for Sasquatch or something, but yeah, uh -huh. they're all wandering around out by June Lake. It's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, this is good. You can tell it's lighter. Yeah, definitely. So very, very light in body, low in alcohol. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really good for like uh, some shrimp ceviche or, you know, like some ahi pokey. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, if you come to June Lake Brewing, uh, right to my right here behind us is off camera. There's a little uh, food truck that serves this great Hawaiian fusion food. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really awesome. They do things like poke bowls and stuff that 
really go well with this beer. I swear I've been down from the mountain a hundred times and come here and have a little uh, bowl from the food truck and a beer outside and there's no better way to wind down before you have to get back on the road and uh, go back to your hotel in Mammoth or Bishop or wherever. Yeah, Rena and her girls, they, they do an amazing job. We're a very symbiotic relationship. In my opinion, you should pick one thing and do it the best you can. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we didn't open a restaurant. Right, right. Because I believe that we needed to pick beer and do it the best we can. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily she feels the same way, but about food. Right. So, <laughs> uh, you know. It's working so far. Yeah, it's pretty rad, so. Yeah. Okay, moving on, we got one of our staple IPAs here. This is our Little, little Walker IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is traditional West Coast IPA. It's about 7.2%. This one in particular, it's very mosaic hop heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, like I was saying, a traditional West Coast in the sense that it's not a kick in the face of bitterness, but it's definitely a more bitter beer than you would get from, say, like a New England hazy or something. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of melon, mm-hmm. maybe tangerine notes. Mm-hmm. And all that's achieved from the application of type and process right. of hop. Yeah. So. No, it's delicious. Yeah, this one's a huge, huge favorite from our staff to everybody else. Yeah. And 7-2 gets the job done. (laughs) Yeah, very nice. That's right. Up next, we have our Oso Citra IPA. Okay, nice. So this is a single hop beer. Mm -hmm. So we utilize 100% Citra hops, hot side, whirlpool, cold side. this beer comes in around 6.5%, so it's a little bit lower alcohol than the Walker. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more full-bodied in the grain build, so you'll see it in the color. It's a little bit mm-hmm. uh, gold, more golden than the Walker was. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is where the Walker is more angular, if you will, in flavor, mm-hmm. so sharper. Mm-hmm. This one is much more rounded. Yeah. And... Uh, this beer we actually packaged last week, so it's a little bit fresher. This seems to me a little closer to a typical West mm-hmm. Coast IPA. Yeah, so there's uh, more piney flavors in there. There's more right. dank flavors, if you will. Yeah. Maybe resiny, you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, I personally get like ripe stone fruit. So uh, imagine like a really ripe peach. Uh-huh. You know, that sweetness, um, yet with a little bit of acidity. Mm-hmm. So this is, right now, this is my favorite beer Okay. that we have. So, crush these all day. How long have you been uh, brewing this? So, the problems with hiring a head brewer that's really good at brewing <laughs> is they like to constantly do new recipes, which I'm totally behind. John likes to experiment quite a bit, and I'm very happy with his creations. But uh, this is Hell the first yeah. time we've made this beer, and wow. it may be the last time. Uh-huh. Just, no, but this is good. I would think that people would, would I mean, want this to stick around. In the first five years that I was the head brewer, I maybe did 35 recipes total. Uh-huh. John did 35 recipes in his first six months. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, like, yeah, he's... Well, I think this is a keeper. This is the kind of, if you like IPAs, this is the kind of thing that you would want to be a staple. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if we don't necessarily have this beer, we're going to have something that's similar to it in 
um, genre and experience. Yeah, right. You know, our key thing is super awesome beer. And so part of that, especially in hot poured beers, is freshness. Uh huh, right. You know, it's making sure that we're sourcing fresh ingredients. It's making sure that as we're doing the fermentation process and the processing and everything, that we are treating those ingredients with the utmost respect. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we do mandatory cold storage of our beer after it's packaged. Uh -huh. So we don't have packaged beer sitting on the floor. Everything right. is cold stored. It's all about treating everything with respect and, you know, giving mm -hmm. its due. Tell me the name of the head brewer one more time. Let's give him a little shout out since uh, apparently he's doing real good work. These yeah, days. <laughs> uh, John Morris. So previous to us, he had helped open and was the head brewer for Stadium Pizza, which they have multiple locations down in Lake Elsinore. And then previous to that, he was up at Mammoth Brewing. And okay. just, you know, we knew he was the right guy. And That's great. You know, we're just stoked we found him and he's stoked to be up here. Like I said, he's been here about a year, year and a half with us now, so. I think you guys are on fire right now. These, these beers are great. I well, hope they get out to more people. Thank you, Adam. And at the end of the day, the whole thing is just that John's able to focus on the beer, and that's mm -hmm. his only focus. It's his number one focus, and that's how it should be. Yeah. Uh, what's the last one we have in line? This is our Chewy AF Oatmeal Stout, so that stands oh, yes. for Chewy as f Oatmeal <laughs> Stout. Um, again, I was limited on my utilization of profanity in our labeling. Which, <laughs> you know, like I said, it's my wife and I right, that run this program, so it's a give and take, and mm -hmm. I like sleeping in my bed, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is uh, oatmeal stout. I would say it's more an Americanized version of oatmeal stout because, you know, it's not... It's pretty far attenuated, if you will. Boy, that's dark. Yeah, so we're utilizing rolled oats and a number of other unmalted grains in this yeah. beer. So very nutty flavors, toffee, you know. Again, with the, the rolled oats and whatnot, it's going to be a very robust and pillowy mouthfeel. Yeah, um, I love stouts in the winter. This is this is a skier's beer right here. Oh yeah, yeah. This this beer is really great with, um, you know, if you're doing like a big pork roast or you're just a really bold, robust meal. Mm -hmm. This is going to be nice for that as well. It uh, pairs very well as an aperitif, if you will, for desserts. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if if you did like a beer float with uh, raspberries and blueberries and stuff in there, mm. you know. Yeah, that'd be delicious. Yeah, this is, uh, so our production brewer, Ryan March, this was his first production recipe was this particular beer. Okay, that's a great recipe. I think, I mean, we've tried eight now. I think it's a toss up for me between the oatmeal stout and the red ale. Mm-hmm, so you're definitely a more malt forward. Yeah, uh, right beer yeah. palette. I really like this oatmeal stout. All right, so um, let's go over again one more time where people can find out information about the brewery and where to get this beer. You can go to junelakebrewing.com and we got a button in the top left on the website. It says buy, buy, buy. And that'll take you directly to our Square web store. And there you can get merch. If you're in California, 
we can get you beer and we'll do mix and match four packs or whatever so you can get a whole menagerie of flavors that we offer shipped directly to your door yeah so watch the social media also watch the weather forecast and when you see a dump in the eastern sierra come on out to june i'm telling you it is worth it <laughs> thank you uh for doing this interview justin i really had a great time uh i learned a lot about the local area and about the brewery and um i uh i mean I've de i will definitely be back here soon again as a customer cool. i appreciate it well cheers adam cheers cheers the interweb yeah hail satan <laughs> he didn't mean that I hope. Ski Town Brews is produced, written, and hosted by Adam Powell. Thanks for listening. The theme song is Camaro by Oliver Michael, and you can find him on artlist.io. If you want to put eyes on the places and beers described in this episode, just go there. In the meantime, there's plenty of video clips and bonus content on YouTube and social media. Go to youtube.com and look up Ski Town Brews, or find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ski Town Brews. If you dig the podcast, help me out with a five-star review in your podcast app and subscribe so you can catch the next episode. Cheers.